Hey everyone, welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and life sciences video podcast. I am Heather Hoops Matthews here in the studio, joining remotely with Maynard Nexon healthcare attorney Lauren DeMoss. Lauren, great to see you today. Thank you so much, Heather. It's great to be here. And I know we both have handled crises in our life, and so that's going to be our topic of today. Joining us are two of my NP Strategy colleagues, Amanda Loveday, who is a former political strategist, former journalist, who is now COO of NP Strategy, and Jessica Mackey. She is a vice president of NP Strategy. She is also a currently elected leader in Richland County, which is the capital of South Carolina, so you as well know a bit about crisis. Amanda, um, start us off by just talking a little bit about NP Strategy, because honestly, as the host here, I don't talk about it a lot, but that's that's who we are. It's what we do. Yeah. NP Strategy is a subsidiary of Maynard Nexon. We provide services to the clients at the law firm and outside the law firm uh, from communications, messaging, media relations, Uh, Anything that you may need when it comes to delivering a message, whether that's in a crisis, whether that's in a exciting moment, um, our team of former journalists, political staffers, corporate communicators, uh, we are practitioners when it comes to delivering a good message and providing a service to folks who, again, may be in a pinch, but may also be celebrating something really exciting. It's a lot at times, (laughs) but it's exciting as well. Yeah. And, you know, Amanda, you mentioned crises, which I think everyone um, experiences those. And there's a broad range of, of crises that an organization or company could experience. Um, Jessica, can you talk to us a little bit about what kind of crisis management MP Strategy does and, and what kind of organization in terms of communications, planning, execution that a company would need when facing a crisis? Sure, you're right. A crisis ultimately is something that's going to impact your company's reputation, Um, they're going to impact your employees or just your business operations as a whole. So making sure that we help companies plan for that because it's going to come. Folks don't want to acknowledge it, but it's going to happen. And you want to be prepared when it does happen. And so from even an internal crisis where you're looking at employees, maybe dealing with theft internally or an external crisis that it was really going to bring in the media attention. You're going to need that additional help to get you through navigating Um, media interviews and social media and how to respond with that right messaging. And so we're able to help clients from beginning to end, no matter how small or large the crisis is. And sometimes it's just a simple message and other times it's full on interview and media training. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, Lauren, I'm going to add to that because it was a healthcare lawyer who stopped me. I was here in the Columbia office yesterday, stopped me in the hallway and said, you know, client with a crisis and she explained the situation. I thought, that's a crisis. So we're doing a media holding statement. We're going to do some responsive Q&A and a timeline of execution because we know something may happen. And then, and then what? But from there, I mean, we just have to be flexible because you, you just really don't know. Um, Amanda, I rattled off a couple of them, but what are the first things a company should do when they face a, when it faces a crisis? Yeah, no, that was a great segue. I'll, other than calling NP Strategy. Yeah, okay, uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I will say what you just noted is extremely important. You need to determine what the situation is, right? That's the first thing. Yes, you have a crisis. Uh, and sometimes that is really bad, but sometimes a crisis doesn't have to be negative. It just means it's a quick, needs a quick, I'm sorry, 
execution and plan to move forward. Um, so determining the situation, writing the messaging, the Q&A, the media holding statement, again, whatever the situation requires in order to be proactive in delivering a message is what's really critical. And then do you have a plan? We work with a lot of clients that uh, are sometimes our favorite because they let us proactively plan for them. What is your crisis plan in these 10 scenarios that we know could happen? Now, yes, option 11, 12, and 13 are most likely also going to happen, but you can't always plan for them. Um, so do you have a plan? Lynn, let's take a look at that. Um, if you don't, it is developing that messaging. Who are your stakeholders? I know we'll talk a little bit more about that in this conversation. Um, but figuring out what you want to deliver to the communities and individuals that you're wanting to share your message with based on the situation um, and doing so in a calm manner. That's the other situation too that I think happens a lot of times in a negative crisis. Uh, people get very worked up and they aren't really sure what to do next because emotions are running high. This is a situation no one's been in before. And then they don't stay calm. And that's why proactively planning a little bit is important because you're not in the heat of the moment. You're not in the midst of emotional reaction. Um, and so having a holding statement or talking points or frequently asked questions and answers uh, prior to a situation happening is going to make that situation go more smoothly. But if you don't have it, then we can do it for you. And it's our job to help you stay calm. Right. Yeah, Heather, you know, you mentioned that healthcare attorney stopping you in the hall to talk about a crisis, and that doesn't surprise me at all, because I think healthcare providers, this is a healthcare podcast, and it's not just healthcare providers that experience the types of crises that MP strategy can help with, but in the healthcare world, I think there are lots of things um, that, that can happen that would amount to a crisis when you when you think about um patient dynamics, you think about the confidentiality of information held by healthcare organizations, there's just a, a lot going on there that, um, you know, it, it is easy to find yourself in a crisis um, in that industry. Jessica, when you think about managing a crisis, what are some common mistakes companies make, um, you know, if they try to do it on their own or, or, or they, you know, have knee-jerk reactions, what are the mistakes that you all see that companies make? Yeah, and I, I want to kind of talk a little bit about what Amanda mentioned, just about planning in general. One of the most common mistakes is not planning, right? I think about, we talked about I have a child, but we think about having kids. At a young age, kids, they learn to plan, right? They learn to plan for a fire drill or tornado drill. It's taught to them. So when the actual crisis comes, they're ready. It's the same thing for companies and adults, right? We have to be prepared and ready when the crisis comes. And that plan is what prepares you, right? It's making sure you're ready when the fire comes or tornado comes, you're going to protect your company. You have a plan. So that's number one for sure. And I think another one is not being honest, right? Honesty truly is the best policy. Something we also learn at a young age, to be honest, right? And it matters in your personal life, but also in your professional life dealing with the crisis. And sometimes, especially in healthcare, there's confidentiality, there's HIPAA laws. We don't know, or maybe we can't share. But being honest about that and why you can't share instead of telling a lie or avoiding and not answering at all is truly a big deal. I also think, you know, being tone deaf in a situation. When a crisis hits, we feel like it's impacting us, our company, our bottom line, and we forget to think about there's other people being impacted, right? Our messaging should reflect that and think about the others that are out there and 
what can we do to help them through this situation and how can we solve the problem for them? Those are all really good points. Uh, that if you don't do a crisis every day, right, uh, that you might not think about. And I, I, I mean, I say it, but I hear us say it. We use lingo. We talk about stakeholders. Who is your, what are your stakeholder groups? Amanda, what does that mean? Why is that important? Well, Jessica just pointed out why it's important, right? You don't want to be tone deaf when you're communicating about a situation to groups of people. Uh, you might be worried about your company, but there might be a patient or a family associated with the situation that you need to be cognizant of and you need to have empathy for. Um, so stakeholders can really be anybody and anything, but it has to be related to the, to your organization, to your business, to the situation at hand. So that's board members, that's staff members, that's customers, clients, patients, uh, the media, uh, local elected officials, anyone who is going to have some sort of association with your crisis. Um, again, it could be on your side, on the other side. Uh, typically, when we, we, we call it stakeholder mapping, we make a big list, big Excel spreadsheet of everyone that is considered a stakeholder in your situation. And a lot of times, we will rank them based on if they are an adversary, if they're supportive. Um, and all of that's extremely important because when you're developing the messaging, all of the things you mentioned earlier, sometimes those are going to be different based on the stakeholder. It's the same message. You're not going to lie. You're going to deliver the exact same end goal, but to get to that goal, it may be different based on who you're speaking with. So you may need a little bit more empathy if it's a patient and a family, or you may need to be a little bit more fiscally focused if it's a board member. Um, but again, the message is the same. You're just kind of getting to that end goal, as I mentioned, a different way. Um, so stakeholders are just, they're everybody you deal with every day. You, you are a stakeholder. You are talking to a stakeholder sometime today, multiples of them. Um, but it's just how we coordinate them as a group um, to make them uh, the most effective group for you when trying to get through a situation. Now, Amanda, you make a good point. You mentioned, you know, um, families or patient and the patient's family when you think about healthcare and life sciences companies. And there, there is kind of a very broad range of stakeholders um, to, to take into account. And I alluded to this earlier, but Jessica, you know, in my mind, healthcare and life sciences companies are, are maybe a little more susceptible to crisis situations. And I think you mentioned HIPAA and a few other things when you were talking about planning, but do you have any other kind of advice or recommendations in terms of, of healthcare and life sciences companies and how they can proactively maybe plan for a crisis? Yeah, I do think, you know, any organization is susceptible to a crisis, right? I think when it hits a uh, healthcare industry, it's bigger, right? The impact of it is is bigger, I think, and, and the risk is bigger. What happens to your company? Um, COVID was that unplanned crisis that impacted this industry. And I think we can all agree it's changed the way the industry operates, right? We can never go back to how it was before COVID. And that was something that no one knew was coming. But I also think that's something that could very well come and impact this industry again, and really has a long-term impact on employees that work there. And then the general public, right? We depend on the healthcare industry for our livelihood and for, you know, families and children in school and to have that industry be hit so hard by a crisis does have a different impact than maybe you would see in another industry. 
And how you recover from that takes a little longer. We saw an instance like COVID where it's a long-term planning, right? You, you, not just that first messaging, but with the healthcare industry, it's constant planning and messaging. Technology in healthcare and life sciences is, is constantly evolving. I think proactively having a communications plan, a crisis plan, but then also proactively updating it because your technology is changing in the industry. So, and if your plan is not up to date, when it hits, you're not going to be ready. So though being proactive with that plan will definitely, I think, help healthcare industry, but industries as a whole, right? We, we see it with all industries. They all have their little thing that makes them a little different than the other. And to add to that as well, Lauren, I, you know, in helping companies and organizations write these plans, when we sit down and we talk about a critical response team, we call it a CRT, it's kind of a core team that meets, oftentimes they will forget the communications executive. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, that's what I am and I'm not taking it personally, but that person has to have a seat at the table. And now because of technology, I mean, they have to have a wingman who is social media monitoring like never before, you know, our media monitoring software, Meltwater, Critical Mention, et cetera, they can, they can help us a lot with traditional, but that, those social conversations just can run wild. And if you're not watching it carefully. Well, and know the, the changes in the dynamic too, right? So three days ago, I think, uh, three days ago from this recording, you know, Facebook, Meta, Instagram, they opened this new Twitter threads. Right. Um, just one more thing for all of us to check and right. <laughs> pay attention to. But if you're not paying attention you're not on this now platform that has hundreds of millions of followers and and folks who have moved over from Twitter to there. And our social media team has already started putting together plans to how to help clients with this new platform. So if you're not paying attention, uh, you can really kind of fall down the totem pole of communication um, and communicating with your stakeholders uh, who might be only watching and, and wanting information from you from those platforms. Right. That's a really good point. Thank you for having them get on that. <laughs> um, Jessica brought up the pandemic, made me think about the pandemic. It looked like the world was shutting down, except for healthcare. Lauren, you know, healthcare ramped up. But honestly, so did we because of what we do. To help Amanda, share a little bit about some of the stuff that we just had to learn to do during a crisis. And I think it's a testimony to what companies have to do, innovate. Yeah, absolutely. I think, to the the biggest situation we dealt with when it came to communicating during COVID was just the constant need for messaging. Uh, we worked a lot with our, our healthcare clients because every day was a new message. Every day was a new policy. Every day was a new announcement. And we were writing those. We were communicating them to staff and to board members and to physicians, but then also to the media and to the public. Um, you know, the number of family members you can have in a room with you in an ER room, or if you're having a baby during COVID, all of those policies changed and you had to communicate to them. You couldn't just show up and, and not know what to do or not do. Uh, but then also you had to make sure your employees knew what was going on, whether it was a manufacturing site uh, shutting down for three days because of an outbreak or uh, not shutting down despite having a number of positives. What does that communication and message look like? I think all of that is, was extremely important during that time. Um, but specifically our healthcare clients, 
it was a constant need of content, um, not just in reaction to COVID, but also proactively, you know, taking the pulse came out of COVID. That's and, right. And That's communicating right. and sharing the stories of what healthcare and life science uh, clients uh, and companies were doing during this very tumultuous time in their company. Um, and I think that was the probably the biggest learning opportunity for me personally working with these companies during that time was you don't just need to be ready for truly the biggest crisis I think healthcare providers saw in their lifetime but also what do you do now and and we saw a lot of the the necessary storytelling and visuals come out of that this podcast and videos and graphics and photos that were necessary for medical companies to show here's what we're doing here's the the PPE uh, that we're providing to our employees to our um, our customers that are coming in and here's how we're going to affect this story or you know how they're telling their story I think is so important because everyone wants content now. They don't love reading it, so they want to visualize it, whether it be, again, video, photo, graphics, um, but then also the general message to the media, to the public, uh, was extremely important as well. So we saw, we adapt, adapted in, during that time just as much as healthcare providers did, um, but we, everything I just said ran the gamut of helping them share that message to all of their stakeholders across the community. Lauren, you'd probably, as a lawyer, you know, would agree with this, that I, I hope the pandemic encouraged people to practice more responding to a crisis because you really don't, it's hard to get it right the first time. But some of our clients who always practice for this, I mean, they have it down and, and, they, and they have such a confidence that you noted, Amanda, that I think, um, Lauren, you would agree, a confidence from our clients to their stakeholder groups will keep the stakeholder groups calm. And then there isn't a mini crisis because somebody's freaking out over lack of information or misinformation or, you know, a secondary crisis you might unintentionally cause. Yeah, I just, you can never underestimate the, the, the powerful, the impact of messaging and how important that becomes. And I think, especially in a crisis, you know, it's just is so important that the, the right communications be sent, the right messaging be heard. And yes, we absolutely saw that, you know, during COVID while trying to digest new rules, new regulations, new information, and how to, to pass that on to folks without boring them <laughs> with the legalese <laughs> that you typically see. You know, I just, again, messaging is, is just, as Amanda said, it's so important. And it's great in our how we're set up. When we serve Maynard Nexon clients, we're working with the Maynard Nexon lawyers. So they're reviewing all the messaging that we're writing, and there's just a higher level of confidence. For our other clients, you know, we end up working, we ask to work a lot of times with their lawyers. Have your lawyer review this. It, you know, it makes a difference down the road on everything. And to um, Lauren's point, we are we are taking the legalese and making it more uh flowery, for lack of a better term, for the community. And we're adding probably a few more words than the lawyers would like, but uh, we're making it so... It's a compromise. It, it, right. It's a conversation with, with the stakeholders. Yeah. Less boring, right, Amanda? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Lauren, thank you for joining us from Alabama today. My colleagues, Amanda Loveday, Jessica Mackey, thank you so much. It's been fun to have you here talk, um, talking on Taking the Pulse. For those of you who tuned in to hear about crisis communications, I hope you don't have one. But if you do, we stand ready to serve you. And we look forward to seeing you next time right here on Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and life sciences video podcast. <laughs>